The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. So the idea that we're going to be going over this week is the line that it says, and from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. And so today's going to be all about God's judgment. And that's something that can feel a little bit like a rough topic. You'll hear about the, the old, like, you know, the fire and brimstone. Well, I am going to be talking about fire, but maybe not in the way that you think. So whenever I was wanting to take a look at this idea of God's judgment, it's something that can sometimes come as a mystery to a lot of us. And so what was the way that Jesus had displayed stories to everybody. And the way that he did that is he did it through stories. And so I looked up different stories that people had about God's justice. And there were many, many, many different metaphors, allegories, analogies, parables. But the one that I found that seemed to kind of encompass most of it, it's the story about uh, the story about the settlers. And so there's this story where there are these settlers on, on the frontier. Let's say that they're somewhere around like Oklahoma, or let's say that they're in Missouri, right? And they have uh, land that they're wanting to settle out in, let's say, Oregon, California area. So you have settlers, and for you guys, it would be California over here. So settlers, California. But they notice a line of smoke in between them. And they know, well, what does smoke come from? And it's going to be fire. And so they know that there's a huge fire from the smoke, and it's coming toward them. And they know that it's, it's, it's gaining on them pretty quickly. And they also know that there's a river about, let, let's say it's over in uh, like the, Miss, the Mississippi River. They know, in fact, that they could try to go toward the river, but they wouldn't be able to get there in time before the fire got to them. So what do they do instead? They can either try and book it toward the river, or they can try to stand still and hope that the fire never comes to them. But what they do is actually pretty ingenious. What they do is they set a fire between themselves and the river. Because, I don't know if you guys know this, once a fire burns something once, it can't essentially, like, you know, burn again. And so you have this fire in between here, where you guys are, the settlers. I'm going to say that you guys are the settlers now. Between you guys, the settlers, and the river. And so it's burning and burning and burning across. But now what do you have is after this fire has burnt, you have this essential, like, safe spot. Now when the fire comes from this side, it's going to be a huge fire. It's not going to touch the settlers, not one bit. So what are, what, are, what are the points that I want to go ahead and make from this? The first point that I want to be able to draw from this story is the fire that they feared was the same fire that saved them. Do you, are you guys hearing like a little bit of a bumping sound with this? All right, my bad. Better? Uh, I'll just be able to project more. So the, the first thing I want to go over is every good gift comes from the Father. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. So we know that he plans on giving us good things. And what's one thing that he has given us time and time and time and time again? Love, for sure. But what about just the word of God? What about the law? What about even the Old Testament? A lot of people talk about the Old Testament and the Old Testament law like it doesn't apply today. But let's take a look at the most common example of God's law, and that's the Ten Commandments. So the first one is, you know, every, everyone has a God, all right? Everybody out there, and whether they want to call it God, whether they want to call it their relationship, whether they want to call it 
their, their hobbies, whether they want to call it their job, whether they want to call it their career. It really doesn't matter. Everybody has a God. And uh, th- does anybody know the story, like not the story, but the song that, that Taylor Swift sings and it's like about, uh, like she's not good enough for you, but I am kind of thing? Yeah. Well, imagine, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an amazing song. Listen to it. But um, uh, imagine that kind of mentality from God, except the thing is God's right. All right, he, you can take a look at the comparison between God and you can take a look at the comparison between him and j- your job. You can take a look at the comparison between God and your relationship. None of it doesn't even come close. Not even like the closest friendship, not even the relationship with your parents can come between, should come between you and your relationship with God. The second commandment, don't worship idols. The image of God is actually on every single person. In Genesis 3, it says that he created man in his image. All right, so that means that each of us innately has the presence of God on each one of us, and that's why we're told to love each other, is because by worshiping God, I can worship it by serving each and every single one of you, because I see the image of God on each and every single one of your faces. The third commandment, don't use, uh, don't use God's name for your own uses. The name of God is powerful and deserves the utmost respect and fear. And yes, I mean, I've heard the, the common argument, well, God's name isn't actually God kind of thing, but that's what we do address him as, and it's kind of a means of respect. All right, fourth commandment, uh, the day off isn't just to stagnantly say, like, you know, I love you, God. It's about rest. How many of you guys actually know that the Sabbath wasn't about, like, you know, going to a specific gathering and then preparing, like, this big meal and then, like, cramming in all of your homework that's due the next day? It's not. Right? And so it's, it's, it's always been about this idea of rest. You know, God set the perfect example. He created for six days. I don't know how much I can create in six days, but it surely doesn't even amount to even enough in this room, and God created an entire universe. And, you know, there's the, it, we're, we're just calling it six days for uh, the, the purposes of that at the very least. But the idea is, you know, God, God wanted us to take at the very least one day a week. Even the fields that they grew their crops in, once every seven years, had to be completely unused so that way the land could rest. They didn't want it to constantly be worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. Humans need the same rest. Number five, God gave you parents to raise you correctly, but also to teach you respect of God by obeying them. And so essentially disobeying your parents can also mean disobeying God in this aspect. Our parents are meant to be there as the people that raise us up in the way that the Lord has for us. And they can be a complete instrument of, like, you know, your, your calling as to be a child to them. Number six, don't kill. Did I lose anybody on that one? No, but man is God's image, all right? We talked about this before. And so uh, the best way to think about it is think about, think about your own future child, all right? Uh, it's... And it's, it's this aspect of, like, you know, your image in some way, shape, or form is on that child. And it's through there in love, all right? And it's made completely out of love. And imagine a complete desecration or killing of that child. That's, that's kind of what God feels whenever there's, like, this aspect of, you know, whenever there is murder, all right? That's killing the image of God. It, it would, in other religions, it would kind of be equated to completely just smashing somebody's idols, Right? It's, a, it's serious. Number seven, sex is sacred and is meant to bond two people 
into love for procreation and for an entire life. All right? It's, it's not something that's mo- supposed to be like a quick connect, disconnect, quick connect, disconnect. All right? It's meant to be something where it bonds two people together for an entire lifetime. And so you get a lot of this kind of like, you know, disconnect and then, but it's like, uh, it's kind of like if you tie two knots together, sometimes it ends up breaking a little bit more on this side than it does on this side. Or like the wishbone uh, at Thanksgiving, whenever you pull it, it never splits evenly down the middle. Uh, one side always gets a little bit more than the other. It's a lot of the same, it's a lot of the same principles in that. Number eight, don't steal. God has provided you with what you need. And he proves this daily. I mean, Raise your hand if you've had like a way that God has almost supernaturally been able to provide for you in ways that you didn't really understand before. I mean, I can, I can tell you that that was definitely the way for me. Number nine, don't lie. Lies don't really help things. And I, I feel like a lot of people think that sometimes like, you know, a white lie can be something that you can tell to protect somebody. But even the truth in love can be the best answer for that. And our, the word even tells us that His word will set us free. And number 10, don't be jealous. Again, this kind of goes back to don't steal in that God provides us with everything that we need. And if you take a look at your neighbor and wonder why he has that and you don't, I can guarantee you there's a reason. And whether it's a reason you like or not is kind of irrelevant. But you take a look at this entire list of 10 commandments and then time after time after time, it's not just some... Uh, irrelevant command that has nothing to do with our actual lives that we experience on the daily. Each of these is meant to be something that's supposed to, you know, whether it's protecting us from ourselves, protecting us from other people, protecting us from, you know, other gods that are trying to get in the way of our relationship with God. It's all there, and it's all meant to be able to protect us in the end. And for other examples, you can definitely, uh, in in the New Testament, in Colossians 3, Paul talks a lot more about this. But the second point that I want to bring back to the story is that they had to know the nature of fire just as we need to be reminded of the nature of God. So, first off, what is the nature of God? Well, we see Jesus as a judge. In Matthew 25, 31, he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So, we know that he's coming back and he's coming back as a judge. So, he's the person that's going to be coming back and doing this. Second, Jesus tells us what's important to him. In the same exact chapter, he goes on to say, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to see me. Truly, I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, you did it to me. So take a look at the list there. I mean, do you, do you see this idea of my faith remains between me and God? Do you see this idea of uh, it, it, it's kind of my faith and I do it in my own time, but I don't really carry it into my day-to-day? I mean, and, and you think that sometimes that these are examples of, like, you know, times when, when things were a little bit tougher. Like, you know, not everybody around them always had food, just like it seems like a lot of people that we know have food or thirsty or you know, that they're complete strangers to you. But think of the instances that they are. Think of the people that you run into pretty much daily where it's, you know, they're the strangers that you need to welcome in and, you know, you may not have a lot of naked people running around, at least I hope not. But, 
you know, sometimes it's, it's as simple as, like, you know, if you have half a lunch and your friend forgot their lunch, if you share at least half of your lunch with them, then you're trying to share. And I'm, I'm not trying to give you guys a math lesson here, but, you know, God is still able to provide for us, especially in those times that we're willing to help out others. Next, God is a God who gives good gifts. And we had kind of talked about this before when we were talking about James 1.17, but it also says in Luke 11, 11 through 12, it says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? All right, how many times have you gotten up in the morning and said, hey, can I get a ride to school? And instead, your parents throw everything around your room, right? What if uh, you were asking, hey, can I eat tonight? And they just like, just right in, the, right in between the eyes, all right? I mean, it's, it's, it's supposed to be this idea of like, all right, this is, this is kind of silly, all right? What good father among us would do something like that? It's, it still doesn't change. And speaking of doesn't change, God doesn't change, all right? You know, and think back to the story. So these people had seen fire before. I mean, we've all seen fire before, right? Raise your hand if you have not seen fire before. I want to go ahead and clarify no? All right, so for those of you who haven't ever seen fire before, imagine something's there, and then it's red, and then it's not there as much. <laughs> Fair enough? <laughs> uh, you, you had to be there. It's fine. But um, we go back to James 1.17 for this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Right? Nothing about him changes from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We take a look at God's law in the Old Testament. It doesn't change. All right? the, the standards by which he, uh, he judges is not going to be any different. We see God's law in the Old Testament. We see what Jesus said in the couple slides ago where he was talking about, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. It's a lot of the same. And lastly, and I feel like a lot of people have heard this time and time again, but it's important to remember when you see God's judgment. But God loved you so much, he sent his own son to reconcile this gap between us and him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. All right, so it's God's will that you are able to spend Eternity, not in hell, not in a fire, not to get consumed by this fire, but to be saved. And that leads me to my third point. They had to admit that though the river could have been a way to escape of their own strength, they couldn't get there before the fire consumed them. And, you know, God has blessed us with these eyes to see, these ears to hear. I mean, you guys are, you guys are looking, and some of you outright staring at me right now. <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're waiting with your ears to be able to, to hear the word of God whenever you come on Wednesday nights. And you're, you've been given this brain that's been able to process it. I've, I've heard plenty of stories, not just from Pastor Isaac, but from plenty of leaders of how a lot of you use your brains and you use them well. And that is a gift directly from God. All right, and so we're meant to be able to have those brains to be able to process these words that God has given us. Just as the settlers in the story were meant to see the fire 
or at least the smoke, and they're supposed to see fire with it. The smoke's coming, that means the fire's coming. And they were given the brains to know, all right, what's our way out? We know that we can't get all the way to the river in time. So, we have, so they had to come up with a plan, which guess what? They used their brains for again. All right, God has given us these faculties to be able to bless us ultimately. We're called to know Jesus is coming back, and we have to live as if that could be at any moment. It, it's, it's, it's not a joke, and you guys have to make sure that it's like, I'm, I'm not asking you to have this moment because I often had these moments when, you know, I was in y'all's shoes before where I said, like, you know, somebody would talk about God's judgment, and I would kind of, you know, stay up that night because I didn't really know if God was going to be coming at 11.15 when I wanted to go to bed at 11, and if he came at 11.15 while I was asleep, then I was somehow going to get left behind, or that, uh, or, or that maybe, maybe when I closed my door when I went into my bedroom, maybe I slammed it a little bit too hard, or maybe uh, I closed it a little bit too hard, and so my parents thought I was trying to be rebellious, and because they thought I was trying to be rebellious, God thought I was trying to be rebellious, it's, it's a bit of a loop, and I don't want you guys to go into that, all right? It's something where I want you guys, I want you guys to know that there's a loving God, but that he's coming back, and that as we see in that line of the Apostles' Creed, and will come to judge the living and the dead. But I know for sure that's not the only aspect that you hear of this. And, and this is a point that often saddens people because, I mean, if we take a look at some of our lives and we take a look at, like, you know, all right, so if we're all this, these people, these settlers, and we're trying to get over here and we're, we're, we have to figure out how to, how to not get consumed by this fire, how many people can you guys think of that would have just, you know, before even thinking would have just ran for the river? ran for the river, even though in their own minds they knew they weren't going to be able to outrun it. How many people do you know that they may not even know what the, what the right answer is? They may not even know about Jesus. They may not even know about the love and the plan that Jesus has for them. Or maybe they know about the plan and they don't like the, the quote-unquote limitations that it puts on us. And so they run, and they run, and they run, and they run, and they run. It doesn't work. I can tell you, I mean, some of us have even been that person that have tried to essentially make that really fast run for the river. In America, we have this idea of individualism, and a lot of you have probably seen it in your, in your schools. A lot of you have probably seen it in whenever you have that... Uh, uh, do you guys still do junior achievement, by the way? Like the whole, like, the, the biz town thing? Do you guys do that where it's like they come in and they talk about money? That kind of thing? No. They did that in elementary school? Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they have these people come through and they say, this is the way that you get the most money and that's all that's important in life. You go to college and you're told, well, when you get out of college with this specific major, you're going to make this much money, but you'll make money, more money going to this way, even if it's not necessarily what you want to do or what you're called to do. Time and time again, we're told that it's all about, like, you know, the success, 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 you know, money, 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 money. And, you know, make sure that you focus on yourself. It's the idea of what we call individualism. You got to look out for number one. Number one is always yourself. 
you know, forget a God who has your best interest in mind. No, here's a fire. You have you and whatever you have on you. Run. Go. That's the message that the world is going to give you. All right, and sometimes the world will even say, nah, that's not smoke, that's not fire, God's not coming back, there's not this, that, or the other. If there's a loving God, he would never do that to us, and we don't even know if there's a God out there. So some people will just tell you that it outright doesn't exist. But Jesus is our only hope. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so what are we supposed to do? I, I don't want to leave you guys with just a, a kind of like walking out where you're just like, you know, man, that was kind of rough, wasn't it? No, I don't want you guys to have that at all. Let's take a look at what we have. So we could tell how we've been given these faculties in our bodies to do amazing things. We can have a mind that grows us closer with God. Instead of seeing the mind as this thing that separates our faith and the rest of our life. We can set the fire, all right? The thing is, in the end, the settlers, you know, they set the fire. Well, Jesus was the one that saved us. You know, in the story, they set the fire. I feel like that is still applicable to us today. It's a choice that we have, and sometimes it's not just going to be for our own good, but for the good of others as well. Because if you're, if you're able to essentially, like, you know, in this story, set the fire, and then you see that it keeps on burning past, and you see the spot that it's not going to burn again, the spot that Jesus has sanctified, then perhaps you could even be able to go to your friends and say, hey, doesn't this make sense? Because at some point it had to make sense to you. Give them a shot to be able to make sense of it. And we can hold fast while God's judgment is around us. How many of you guys have seen like the, the different apocalyptic preachers where they're, they're talking about like, you know, the end is near, you know, get my bucket of nacho cheese so that way you can survive in your bunker kind of thing. There's actually one of those guys in Branson. Yeah, and he's hilarious. Like, I, I've seen, like, 10-minute, like, compilation videos of him, and he is, it, it's a real treat. You guys should just, like, you know, treat yourself to that. If you guys are wanting to feel, if you guys are wanting to feel better about the end of the world, you know, watch that guy, because at the very least, like, you know, I don't think that we're supposed to, but you, you're not going to leave that video without saying, all right, so it's not that bad. But we can at the very least hold fast while God's judgment is around us. And I'm not going to be the one to say, like, you know, that we're in the middle of the, of the quote-unquote apocalypse. Because the thing is, that's not any of my decision. The only thing that I've been told is that I need to be prepared. And I need to tell as many people as possible to be prepared as well. And, if you'd, and honestly, we're all called to have the same mission. And I firmly believe that. But I also want to talk, I want to I take the story one step further. Right? So let's say you stand on the spot that's essentially the safe spot and the fire comes and whether it goes past you or it stops at that point, it's over. <coughs> the smoke clears. That wasn't meant to be like a point or something. It was a natural cough if it helps. Um, but the smoke clears and after that we're able to kind of get this, we're, we're kind of able to get this statement of reassurance 
at the very end of it. And Jesus talks about it in the, the parable of the talents. Uh, and he says to the good servant, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And at that point, we're not meant to, you know, we're not, we're not meant to, like, you know, we're, we're still going to have this respect and this fear of God. But the fallen nature of the world will pass away. But I want to tell you guys to have joy. Because God has called his children for it to not pass away with the rest of the world. He's planning a new kingdom for every single one of us. So I want you guys to be able to have joy in that. Father's preparing a place for you. It's kind of like a child whenever uh, their parents end up moving away. They don't know why they're going away from home. But sometimes the parent has so much better for the child. Maybe they've got, uh, have you guys ever seen Extreme Home Makeover? Like the, 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 kid, the kid likes horses and so they turn their barn, they're, they're, they turn their uh, the, the kid's room into like this wild, wild west. Like, you know, every, everything's, everything's about the wild west and cowboys and horses. And like they're going so crazy. It's like, your bed's a horse, your light's a horse, you're a horse. And so he's like, ah, they turned me into a horse. But the idea, the idea that I'm trying to draw from, from your parents turning you into a horse is that God loves you. <laughs> God loves you and he wants what's best for you. And I hope, I hope I didn't get lost in the middle of that little analogy. But the point is that God wants what's best for us. And sometimes his best for us is something that we do truly desire. And I want to be able to have this time of, of response to this because I think of just about most of the lines here in the Apostles' Creed, this is probably one that deserves the most response, in my, in my opinion. And uh, so yeah, if leaders, if you guys want to kind of scatter kind of around the room and just be available for, for students in this time of worship, uh, I'll go ahead and ask you to do that right now. And but you students and even you leaders, you know, whether it's been your doubt of God to love us as he's promised to, and yes, Ben, you can go on, come on up. Uh, your doubt that you could, or even your friends could be right with God. I know that I had those definitely when I was in your shoes, and I, I, I don't want you guys to have those. Or if it's something where you guys just kind of need your pick-me-up throughout the week, we're getting toward the end of the semester, and... You know, you just need your, yourself a little pick-me-up for God to be able to come in and encounter you and just say, yeah, I've got you. You're good. The only thing I ask is you don't leave how you came. I firmly believe that for every single Wednesday night that you come here, every single Sunday morning, you're here for a reason. If you left the same exact way that you came in, then we've wasted an hour and a half of y'all's time. I firmly believe that. You know, don't leave here as you came. We're meant, to, we're meant to constantly be in prayer, asking God for strength to get through the day, strength to be able to witness to others, and for him to reveal himself to us in each passing moment. So at the very least, like, you know, whether 
it's, you know, you, you want to pray with the leader or you want to come down here and pray, or if you even want God to meet you exactly where you are during worship, the only thing I ask is that you just don't leave here how you came. But if you do need to encounter God and you want to know what that looks like, please feel free to approach any of these leaders, uh, whether it's myself or Pastor Isaac or another leader that you can trust. And uh, I hope that you can trust all of them, but feel free to talk to somebody. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the EC family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.